Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. And this is Cindy Meyer, your host of the weekly Wake Up With Spirit. And it is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. So what is Spirit Seeker Magazine? It is, is a monthly magazine that has been published uh, for over 25 years now. We started in St. Louis and expanded throughout the Midwest and then um, we were working in Florida until COVID happened, and so we now still have the print magazine in the Midwest, uh, but most of our readers are digital during, uh, we've already, we've been digital since 1998 anyway, but during this um, this time out, this global time out with the pandemic, more and more people are listening to podcasts and reading and just wanting community and connection. So Spirit Seeker offers that in a number of ways. We have the monthly magazine. We also have a weekly email newsletter that lets you know who the guests are on the radio show, when the magazine um, is uploaded and online, and also other Mind, Body, Spirit events throughout the uh, nation. And sometimes we do um, cover global events as well. And so this is a good resource for you. Uh, we also have the weekly radio show. And the minute the show is finished, it is a downloadable podcast that you can listen to any time of the day or night to be inspired. Um, There are over 400 shows archived. Um, I've been on with a weekly radio show since 2006, Uh, started in a traditional studio and then segued into into the the, the platform that we're on now, which is the podcast um, and a virtual blog. So I wasn't sure at first, you know, I have to tell you, I was like, "Mm, I'm not so sure this is the right approach. But as the years have passed, I've been in this format since uh, late 2008. It really is fabulous, and it's the way of today. So I get emails all the time. Oh, my goodness, I listen to your podcast at 3 in the morning. You know, a lot of people work different hours. And, um, and so we know that you're listening. You can like our show on, um, on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Cindy Meyer. You can also like us on Facebook, which is Spirit Seeker Magazine. Um, And in order to be on our email list, which is where you get the goodies, um, and I'll tell you about that in one second, you just go to spiritseeker.com or if you want to write the whole thing out, spiritseekermagazine.com, but I like to take the shortcut. Um, And there is a join our email newsletter right there on the front page of the website, and it will automatically, as you fill it out, add you to our email list. We do not sell our list. It's sacrosanct. Um, you will only hear from me, although you do, you know, we do allow people to advertise their events if they're appropriate and in alignment with um, the mind, body, spirit principles of what we're trying to expand with Spirit Seeker. So we've been on the front lines and things have evolved and things are changing again. We will be much more digital, um, still with a, a, a minimal print magazine, um, and we will be at a lot of conferences once they start up again. Okay, I think that is it for announcements. Um, oh, the reason you want to be on our email list is, yes, to find out about all these wonderful things, but then the guests that I interview and um, all of the different books that come in from the different publishing houses throughout the world, um, we have books and DVDs and CDs, and I like to bless people. We're blessed, and, you know, we bless people. So if you're on our email list, you're eligible for the drawings for um for the different things that come our way every day, it's like a surprise when I go to, um, when we do get mail. In St. Louis, we haven't had mail in a week because they don't have enough mail carriers. 
I am not kidding. It is a different world today. It's just hard to believe this is America sometimes. But patience is, you know, I guess what we're all learning. Okay, so who am I interviewing this morning? I am interviewing an author who is really quite fascinating. Um, When I saw the book come through and the information from the publicist, I was like, oh, boy, she's covering all my favorite things. And so I'm going to introduce her, her name, if I can get my file to open here. I want to give you the full, 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 you know, bio. Um, her name is, oh, my God, my computer is, like, not happy this morning. Please be patient with me. Okay, here we are. Um, Lori is the author, Lori Eve Deshar is the author of the Alchemy of Inner Work, A Guide for Turning Illness and Suffering into True Health and Well-Being. She co-authored this book with her husband, Benjamin Fox. And Deshar is an acupuncturist, a consciousness explorer, um, and changemaker committed to bringing the art of alchemy and soul healing back to the modern world. That alone was just like, okay. But there's more. She has practiced Chinese medicine for over three decades, With her husband, who uh, is an astrologer and community builder, Uh, she has co-founded a new possibility, a global healing and learning community committed to the belief that inner work is a prerequisite to any lasting outer change, which is in vibrational alignment with everything that I believe. So I am delighted and welcome, Lori, to, um, to the Wake Up With Spirit show. We're so glad you're here this morning. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's exciting to hear what you're up to. We so need this now. We so need this work. Right. Our souls are hungry, Lori. They're hungry. And I think that, you know, when we look back on this pandemic, you know, it's going to be so many different awarenesses. And, I mean, who has ever spent this much time in their homes? (laughs) Right. Well, there's that. And, and, you know, one of the things we say in the book is why alchemy now and we finished the book before the COVID pandemic, but why alchemy now even more? Uh, you know, we need mm-hmm. so much to have tools that can transform lead, suffering, confusion, disorder into something that's actually luminous, that actually can feel like this is a guide. This helps me know my soul. It's not easy. <laughs> when we're facing what we're all facing right now. It's not easy. But one of the things we always say is alchemy is not easy and it takes time, like love takes time. Right, right. Um, so for our listeners that have maybe heard the word alchemy um, and maybe you're not quite sure what that word means. Now, I know this is like, this could be just the whole interview, but, you know, you know, just, just give us a little bit of an overview of the magic of alchemy. Yeah. So alchemy was not failed chemistry as most of us learn in high school. Like, Oh, those silly alchemists thought they could change lead to gold, but now we know we can't. So that was, that was the line. But the truth is that alchemy was the science of how people understood the world. We can go back to kind of the end of what we call the shamanic, indigenous, tribal, verbally transmitted knowledge time. So about 
1500 BCE, people started exploring the world and writing things down and creating experiments and laboratories and working inside with yoga and meditation practices and early chemistry practices. And that was the beginning of alchemy. We can look back to Egypt when in the tombs we see people exploring about embalming processes. They were alchemists. They were looking at the world and looking at how transformation happens. That's what alchemy is all about. And it went on until well into the Renaissance and beyond when modern science took over. And the key was, okay, now soul is separate from matter. We're no longer seeing a world infused with soul because the alchemists did not make that separation. So we can, and just one last little bit there is that our word alchemy does come from the Egyptian and it actually means the, the dark soil art or the dark soil. It's working with matter to discover spirit. So for spirit seekers, this is, an important thing to know about. <laughs> you know, they were spirit um, seekers, I, that's what they were. And they were looking for spirit in our world, not up in heaven, somewhere where we get to after we die, but now. Yeah. You know, I, I had the great privilege of um, being the featured psychic on a group. It was a sound healing trip to Egypt in 2008. Oh, wow. And, Oh, it was incredible. But I'll tell you, you know, we were at one of the ancient ruins and, you know, I, my, I started off my career as a nurse and then, you know, just continues learning, learning, learning. But the healing was always part of my life from the time I was a little girl. And, um, but when I was at this, this, the one ruins and it was, um, all the ancient medical instruments that they used. And when you looked at this wall of instruments, it was very much like being in an operating room. Uh, in America, in the Western world. And, I mean, they had forceps. They had every tool that was used in orthopedics. I mean, it was just crazy. And they even had pacifiers that were, you know, like the little nuke pacifiers, but they were clay. But that's, they were shaped to the orthodontic structure of the mouth. That's, yeah. And then we went to this other, other ruin, and not everyone, you know, they knew I was one of the leaders in the group. And so one of the guides said, come here, I want to show you something. And I looked up at the top of the ceiling, and we're talking about, like, not 10-foot ceilings. We're talking about much higher. Like, and so you had to know where this was, and you look up, and there you saw a submarine, a helicopter, and what was the other thing? It was like they came by land, they came by sea, they uh, came by air. Uh-huh. The, the beings that, uh-huh. that created uh-huh. Egypt that helped us. And so, right. you know, when you talk about this, Alchemy, it's like, it's all-encompassing. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite magical. Yes, and it does feel like it's another level of knowing or seeing. And, the, of course, the lead that we're talking about is not the same lead that would be in a modern-day chemistry laboratory. It's the lead that we all come into the world with that we transform into spiritual awareness. That's you know, and that's what you see, even those instruments, that's so fascinating that you saw those, but I'm sure they were working physically, but also on the psyche and on the spirit and very much 
caring for those other levels. Right. Well, the sound healing chambers, the, I mean, just everything, everything. And, you know, just advanced, very, very advanced. And, um, but I, I like this one quote. Um, I'm going to, this is uh, on chapter four, the alchemical quest in your book. And it says, mm-hmm. when you, when you, when you don't follow your nature, there is a hole in the universe where you were supposed to be. Yeah. That is He's a wonderful, wonderful old-time astrologer. Smart guy, right? Yes. I yeah. read that and I went, okay, okay. So, so I want to go backwards just a little bit because um, I mentioned that you had been an acupuncturist for over three decades, but I didn't mention that you uh, are the author of Five Spirits Alchemical Acupuncture for Psychological and Spiritual Healing. Kigo, exploring the spiritual essence of acupuncture points through the changing seasons. Those were your books prior to this. So, I mean, I have I've studied macrobiotic. I've studied, you know, healing, you know, indigenous healing where, you know, you, you don't eat something um, like an orange in the middle of the Midwest normally because that wouldn't be here in the, in the winter. So indigenous, you know, like the eating Anne-Marie Coben, eating with the seasons, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What in the world is, I, I just, and I know this is not the book you're promoting today, but what does it mean, the spiritual essence of acupuncture points through the changing seasons? What does that mm-hmm. mean? What is this book about? Uh-huh. I'm just curious. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, in Chinese medicine, uh, as same with macrobiotics, we're living, we are not separate from the world. We are the world. And we are, the seasons don't happen outside of us. The seasons happen inside of us. Now, I mean, for me, for example, today, I can feel already there's, there's this deep winter here in the Northeast. Where are you again? We're, we're in St. Louis. We had minus, minus yeah. two, minus two right. degrees the other day. And you would have thought that, I mean, I was just shocked. <laughs> it had been a long time. Right? And what that does <laughs> yes. to our bodies. In, and so the Chinese say we have to look at what's happening through the seasons and the elements around us and know that we're actually seeing ourselves. And healing Again, as Benjamin and I say, it's like our inner healing and our outer healing are interrelated. So when I look at a, ch- at a point on the body, it, it, every point has an elemental resonance. It can be a water point, a wood point, a fire point, an earth point, or a metal point. And each of us have those elements within us. Also, each of those seasons is res- each of those points resonates with a season. So right now we're in sort of this deep water, but there's a point that I start doing this time of year called returning current. The name they give you, the Chinese give us these names, and they say study these names, oh, yeah. and you will know what we mean. So returning right. current is just about now, and even though it's so cold. And many people may be already feeling this, like a little bit more light, a little bit more, maybe that tiny little seed of hope, like maybe we're going to get through this. And returning Mm -hmm. current is about nourishing that return of the light 
that coming back from the deep darkness of winter and beginning to take that risk to open up again. You know, and I even heard you talking about it when you said, you know, when we open up again, when we're at conferences again, you know, we can have that little seed. So that's the point that I would go to today. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so Pigo is all about that. And, you know, you don't need needles to touch these points. As a nurse, you know what it feels like to put your hands on a person's body with awareness. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I'm also a feng shui consultant. And, yeah. you know, with the Chinese New Year, I never knew this until I wrote a brief article about, you know, the, the, you know, the Chinese New Year. I did not know that it happens on the second new moon after the winter solstice. Did you know that? I, I hit, it's, it's, it's and always get, get on what that. time that is. It's the turning point. It's exactly early February when the sap literally is turning under the earth. It is the new year. That thing, that's the crazy thing. It is exactly that time that we're talking about, that returning current, the returning light. Um, you know, it's, it's regarded as a cross-quarter day in Celtic traditions. Mm-hmm. In bulk, some people um, see it as the time when the, the sap starts rising again. Been going down, mm-hmm. down, down into the roots. And, you know, in a way, that, that is the alchemical moment when we've had that darkness, that lead, that constriction. You know, we've pulled ourselves in. We've done our inner work. And then that, that little rootlet emerges from the seed and says, I know where I'm going. You know, there is a book um, that I read, I don't even know, probably 30-something years ago, but it it was by James Michener. And, you know, most of his books are these huge books, Hawaii. Yeah, and all. yeah I, mean, I like him, But this, oh, I, 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 yeah. I, I do too. Yeah. Well, it's his, one of his first ones. It's called The Fires of Spring. And it's this huh. tiny little book. And he talks about, I've read this book. I, I, I probably should buy another copy because I don't know what happened to the other one. I probably read it two or three times. I'm going to look he for talked, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a fiction book. But what he talks yeah. about in that book is, um, it is not the right time to make your New Year's resolutions in the dead of winter when the fires of spring, which is exactly what you, you know, you're describing, that, that feeling of, oh, it, this winter just might be over. Maybe we are moving into hope and everything coming back to, to aliveness. And that's what he talks about. Like he says, nature knows. You, you go get quiet, you go inside, and then when everything's emerging, and, and think about it, you know, no matter where you are, even if you're, you know, in a summer all the time state type thing, you still have the seasons to a degree. But when spring comes, it's popping out everywhere. And that ceases when you become fully alive. And mm-hmm. well, it's not that you're not alive the rest of the time, but it's, it's but he's just talking about that, um, that state of mind when there's such open renewal, you know, that yeah. came back. So I don't know. I don't even, that's just funny. But, but getting back to the book that you've written now, I do want to mention before they go there, I've, uh, I've studied with the bone monks and they talk a lot about um, the acupuncture and the five, you know, the, you know, the five Chinese elements of, you know, uh, medicine. And what they say is that it is really important 
Um, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, so maybe you can explain it, but I think it has to do with where we're going next in this um, conversation. But they talk about how you, we have our trunk of our body where, you know, of course, your seven chakras are located, and then everything else is an extension from that, you know, the 21 major minor chakras. But what they say is that what they taught is if you keep your trunk light and airy, your health is a reflection of that. Because if you're too mm-hmm. stuffed, if you're if there's no movement inside that trunk, it's very hard to have movement inside your life because everything's stuffed. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Chinese medicine, the way they say that is where there is free flow, there is no pain. And when there is no free mm-hmm. flow or stagnation, we are in pain and we are in suffering. And a lot of what we talk about in the alchemy of inner work is how do we bring free flow to the places where we're stuck? So, Uh you know, that can include some pretty hard, difficult inner processes, like really beginning to look inside at, you know, what am I really feeling today? And not as we we might, you know, going back to the Dane Rudyard quote, not being who I think I'm supposed to be, but really caring about who's trying to come to life through me, what spirit is really guiding me in this lifetime. And for me, especially now, I mean, I'm going to be 69, and I'm watching a lot of death processes happen on the planet And so for me, one of the guides who's come to me, and I talk about her in the book, is a Taoist goddess named Ziwang Mu, and she's considered the dark, she's a dark goddess, or considered the mother of the western sky, the sunset, the shadows, the darkness. And she guides us during these very, very difficult times to be able to actually transmute what's difficult into something that can give rise to new life. There's a kind of surrendering to these processes that is not so much how the outer culture looks at things. And I would Mm -hmm. say coming back to this airiness in the torso that you learn from the bone monks, that to me is speaking about movement and letting these spirit guides move us and support us in not just collapsing or getting stuck in um, our own stuff, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. You have and, just uh, woven so many teachings in this book. I mean, it's, it's just fascinating. And um, you talk about the yin and the yang and um you know, I've studied a lot with the yin of foods, the yang of foods. I mean, people don't think about the yin and the yang of foods, but you do if you learn, you know, the contraction and expansion part of right. what does your body need right now, you know. And, and so right. let's bring I, – I don't know where you want to go next because I there's so many things. Um, I want to mention the article that you contributed to Spirit Seeker this month. Um, listeners, it is fabulous. and It's called Living the Dream, the Alchemy of Inner Work. But there's just this just article is like a whole book. It's like there's so much <laughs> in it. Um, <laughs> and so I do, I do want to talk about how I loved how you explained the difference between the shamanic trance induction of the state of uh, alchemy where you're trying, where 
where it's different because so let's let yes. you explain it but um yeah, yes. don't do much better yes. than me yes. attempting. Okay, I love that. I love <laughs> actually love that. So what I say there is that alchemy is the art of living in the day with our night eyes open and living in the night with our day eyes open. So what does that mean? It's like for me, first of all, that is saying we need to bring our yin, the night, the darkness the going deep inside into connection with our outer life, how we live and how we decide, make choices about what we're going to do day to day, what our engagement is, what our contribution is. All of that from an alchemical perspective rests on these deep inner knowings. Some people use the word the unconscious. I'm not crazy about that word because I feel like it's not really unconscious. It's just waiting for us to explore it. So those are our dreams. Those are our body sensations. We talk a lot about the body wisdom in the book that, again, in Western modern culture, we don't have a lot of time. We don't make a lot of time to say, you know, why, why today is this left knee bothering me? We're just like, okay, let me take a anti-inflammatory and get on with it. But from the perspective of our book and alchemical healing, we're going to say, okay, maybe I do take that anti-inflammatory, but I also spend time saying, you know, what is this left leg trying to tell me today? And what could that mean about the way I'm moving forward? Am I moving forward too much with my right consciousness? Do I need to listen to those dreams? Now, when we say the shamanic, a lot of people know about shamanic traveling, and in general, what we say there is the shaman does the journey for the tribe, sometimes using a plant medicine, sometimes using drumming, but somehow there's the shaman does the journey, takes away the evil or the possession states, and the tribe is healed. In alchemy, we each do the journey. In fact, one of the precepts of alchemy is that you find the truth from within your own being. And a lot of our very different book is, yes, it's a very different. And we also try to do that journeying without letting go of our conscious will. It's like there are very definitely places for deep breath work, drum meditation, even and plant medicine, and all of these ways of surrendering our consciousness to the big, big wisdom ocean. But in alchemy, we want to keep our identity that's our daytime eyes, even as we travel through the night. And then as I go into the day, I want to keep those dream eyes open. Like, so if you dream about you're walking along and you find a silver cup in the middle of the road, and if you wake up in the morning and say, oh, that was just a ridiculous dream, you've just missed a piece of wisdom that came down to you from the stars and you didn't open the letter. 
Well, and yeah. Yes. What do we do with that? How do we do that? So we talk in the book about different ways that you can explore, like what is that silver cup that I just come upon in the middle of the road? You know, what is that shininess? You can even walk up to the cup in the morning and say, you know, where, what is in that? And you use your imagination to take it further. The silver cup has come to you for a reason. And then when you start doing this work, Cindy, and I'm sure you come to this too with (laughs) your own psychic work, but what starts to happen is a cup, you know, the next week you're walking along the door and there's that silver cup in the window. Like this is how the world start intertwining, even without taking any, you know, mind altering medicines, which of course have their place, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing this with intention. How do we do this? Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read one short paragraph that kind of summarizes what you just said. Um, oh, great. In those rare mo- and, and you and these are your words, okay? In those rare moments when my day and night eyes see at the same time through the same window, time and eternity collide. When I no longer know if I am dreaming the world or the world is dreaming me, I wake up. I remember a world I knew before I had words to describe it, a world that waits just around the corner of morning and hides behind the curtain of the night. Remembering to remember all this is the gift of dream work. And I'll tell you what, right now I have talked to more friends and family members and clients. They're all dreaming right now. And a lot of them don't know what to do with those dreams. And, you know, I, I do not want to hang a shingle out as a dream analysis person, but, you know, I, I know a little bit, but what I have encouraged is to write it all down, like write it, like even in the middle of the night, like I can remember in Dallas, like, I don't know, a long time ago, I heard this in the middle of the night in a dream, vibrational sound healing. And I was like, what the heck is that? So I wrote it down. And it's very similar to what you described with the silver cup, like after it was in your dream and totally like giving you a message of some kind. And you're like, okay, I'll work with this. I'm I'm not sure what it means, but okay. And then all of a sudden you see it. So this is the truth. I, I wrote that, I wrote it down because it was so loud. Then I turned the light off. And of course, if I hadn't written it down, I don't know that I would have remembered it the next day. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah, but yeah. Right. So then I'm at a bookstore. It was probably (laughs) a month or two later. And this person behind the desk says, oh, are you staying for the lecture tonight? And I said, what lecture? Oh, we have this guest from Canada, Nicole Lavoie, speaking on vibrational sound healing. Oh, wow. And I just looked at her. Wow. And I said, well, it wasn't, it wasn't on my radar, but it is now. Yes, I'll be staying. That's it. <laughs> so, that's but it. that's it. That's, that's when you're, that's it. You know, we that's have it. that word, synchronicity. It's like when the night world and the day world start to come together or, or you're truly opening to what is trying to come through you, there are helpers in the world and they make these strange coincidences happen. And that's very amazing how you found that. It's, it's how it happens. Well, yeah. well, it opened the door, and, right? Because her whole thing yeah, was you have a soul note and then – 
Well, it's not even just that. She had um, this. This lady is fascinating, and I don't want to take up time from with your, your interview from it. But it just this this tiny part will show you like like you know even more what we were we we're talking about here. Okay, so this lady had osteoporosis and terrible, terrible, and she was taking calcium, calcium, calcium. And then one day, someone said, you know, why don't you get muscle tested, kinesiology, to see if you're even absorbing it? And sure enough, she was taking all this but not absorbing it. Somehow this woman got into, she was in a terrible car accident, and um, when she survived that, she's, she's like, okay, if I can survive that, I can survive ending my marriage because she had a special needs son, and her uh, husband, father of the child, was just very abusive and um, because he was frustrated that his child wasn't perfect. You know, you get the story. So she finally is like, if I can survive that, I can survive on my own. So she got better and better, but she also got in, she studied the periodic elemental chart and came up with the frequency of calcium and every other, like, and so she used sound healing, which this is ancient. She used the frequency of sound healing to cure her calcium deficiency. Mm. Wow. So this is, but see, that's out. Okay. <laughs> right. That, right. And then the yeah. other thing with alchemy is the, you know, with the um, the a lot of the stuff with the aliens, and I know this is like way off topic, but I interviewed um, this person this one time from France, and he said, you know, there was an agreement with the world we would not uh, disclose a lot of this UFO stuff, et cetera. He says, but France has changed their mind because they're here. They realize the aliens are here to help us, and he talked about how there's symbols in alchemy that just a cha- slight shift changes the whole dimension so I was like okay where is he going with this and he talked about um, you know Hitler used the swastika well the swastika didn't come from Hitler what it came from was the Hindus and the Hindus had a symbol that gave an energy transmission and it looked very much like the swastika but what Hitler did was he turned it one notch mm-hmm. and when he turned it one notch it changed the whole meaning and it was no longer what it was originally meant to be and that was his thing. Every time he did that Heil Hitler, there was an energy transmission, and it was not what it was originally designed for. But isn't this fascinating? Like, like all of these cultures, like, I love how you brought in, you know, that alchemy, you know, came from the Egyptians. But then you also bring in the Asian part of it. So do you want to talk about that? Just to t- I mean, you've talked about, you know, your, your helper who's helping you. Um, but for an <laughs> average person... Like, like, let's talk about that, but then let's talk about how a person will go into the, um, the alchemical laboratory that you describe in order to take illness and suffering and trans, transmute it into um, health and well-being. So I want to spend much of, it's most of the time on that, but I'd just like you to give just a little bit of history of all, I mean, you've studied with so many different people. You've, you've just really have studied a lot. So whatever you want to touch on that, and then we'll go into the alchemical laboratory. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to actually double back around to the dream because I feel like the dream is a doorway for all of us, whether you pay attention to them or not. Uh, you know, about a third of your life is spent dreaming. And so I love, Cindy, what you said to people who ask you. I think a lot of us are dreaming more because we are quieting down. We are inside more. We, In a way, 
pan- the pandemic is pushing us all into an alchemical laboratory if we choose to go there. And you might even say that Gaia, our planet, has, if you want to say, masterminded this. I mean, I don't think she's done it intentionally, but this virus erupting, even though, of course, we want to find ways to be safe from it and save our loved ones from it, we can also say, what is the lesson of this time? And I think the slowing down and the going in is probably one of the things the planet is asking of us right now. So how do we do this work? There are two very basic, um, really simple practices that people can start right now. And one of them I call the pause practice. And it sounds really simple. It's the hardest thing that I do in all my life. I mean, I, I should do it, especially with my own husband, where, you know, just pausing instead of reacting in the way that I normally do could change everything. Pause is beginning to notice my own body responses, my own habitual responses. And instead of just lashing out or pressing the send button on some email I should never have sent or, you know, picking up that chocolate bar and eating it, even though another part of me knows I don't need it right now, we talk about learning to press the pause button. And I give the acronym R-S-V-P, the R being taking the time to recognize what's habitual. You know, recognize that, oh, I'm going to, I have to do this. I'm going to say this thing or I'm going to do this thing that really isn't going to serve me. And so the S is simply stop. (laughs) And that's the yin (laughs) that you were talking about. You know, we're all young, 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 up until the pandemic. I mean, just think about how we've been living. Oh, I know. I look at photos, you know. (laughs) I've been flying. One year ago. (laughs) Right. I know. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I moved back from Tampa and... Right. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I'm sorry. But yeah, stop. No, this is a big, simply stop. So the R is recognized. The virus certainly made us recognize. (laughs) But day to day, too. The S is simply stop. The V, and here's where I cheat a little on the anagram, is reverse. Reverse your awareness. Instead of caring about what's going on out there, care about what's going on in here. And in alchemy, we talk about the reversal is the beginning of the work. The work begins when I look inside and really care about, be interested in that body response. What is that compulsive need to act out or say or do? And then Mm -hmm. as I look inside and begin to even ask into what is really happening for me, listening to my body, taking those three deep breaths, something often 
arises, and that's the perceive. Get present and perceive what else is in there. That's when the spirits talk to us. That's when I can hear that much wiser voice that's at my back. Always be there if I simply stop and breathe. So that's the pause practice. And if <laughs> so, it's our right. Recognize, simply stop, reverse awareness, get present, and perceive. Uh, Sounds so easy, but I know, Cindy, um, I'm sure, you know, being doing the work that you've done with people and with yourself, it is, if we could, you know, mastering that, you're an alchemist. Mm-hmm. You're changing the oh inside gosh. so that your outside will change. Right. So that's how it works. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> and the reversing, by the way, is going into that inner laboratory. That's going into that place inside and getting wisdom. Um, I would say, you know, in the book, we also talk a lot about with points, the acupuncture points. And we just give a few, not a lot, just uh, mm-hmm. 10 points related to the elements and the seasons that I call a point palette. So we can learn to touch places, and there's one right at the center of your palm. Listeners can go there right now. You make a little light fist, and where your third finger lands in the middle of your palm, you're going to feel just feel a little indentation there. Put your finger there lightly. You may be able to feel how things start to calm down inside. So that point in the middle of your palm, and we talk about it in the book, and we give the location, is a point that anyone can use. You don't have to go for three years to become an acupuncturist. This is our birthright. (laughs) Same as with dreams. Like you said, we're not hanging out shingles. People have always looked at their dreams. The fact right. that we don't, that's a theft of our souls. That's a theft right. that has happened, that people think you have to be some special, you know, quadruple PhD person <laughs> to look at your dreams. Oh, I know. No, that's not how yeah. it is. And right. we all, this is our birthright as human beings with souls. And I would say, if there's any message in the book, that's it. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much in this book. I mean, there's so much. I mean, you know, and then you bring in the whole Chinese five elements. So I, you know, spinning the wheel. <laughs> You're so funny. Right. I love how you did this. I love how you did this chapter, the wheel of life. And, you know, with the, okay, so I'm going to just read a tiny bit. Oh, good. Water. I like okay. <laughs> It's just like, I mean, I could just, I, this is one I'll reread and reread, but um, the water gestation, so winter seed. So, you know, you think about the way, even the way you put it, gestation, there's nine months that, you know, a baby kind of floats around in water before, you know, they come out to this land world. But well, I love how you did this winter seed. Water is related to winter, the season of hibernation, contraction, and rest the time when the force of life and the energy to sustain it must be carefully stored and treasured. 
the fallen seeds and decomposed micronutrients of autumn are buried beneath the snow. In the womb of the soil, life waits in a state of nearly inert stillness, gestating and gathering strength as it prepares for reemergence. And then you talk about um, the contraction, the expansion, the fear, the courage, um, and then, uh, and I'm going to let you personally talk about this if you would, and then the alchemy of transforming will into wisdom. So how, you know, is it, you know, you talk about the water comes just after the lowest point in the wheel when the cycle yeah. reaches its turning point and begins its ascension skyward. And you've yeah. touched on this just a little bit. So if you don't want to, you know, expand on this much too much, we can go right after that. I like how you um, discovering the water within you. I just really want to talk about how you take this information and how the person goes inside and helps transform or get the information yeah. that they need to help them. So yeah. However you want to do well, that. That is exactly the point of looking at the elements. It's not that they're out there that they become our teachers. So water, Uh as you know, has a spirit. And water's spirit is what we feel right now. It's this, most of us in the country are experiencing the contraction of cold. What that does to the earth, it has a purpose. I mean, it can feel kind of like I wish spring were coming. (laughs) But what it's teaching us is to be able to endure requires a certain kind of gestation, of being willing to not be in action, but rather to wait. And that is water's teaching. Water also teaches us to prepare for itself. So this year, I think a lot of people with this very, very hard winter because we haven't had these kinds of winters, we forgot to prepare. So that's one of the wisdom of water and winter is, you know, as the fall is ending that we want to sequester. We don't want to even use up all our resources because we're going to need them to get through. The transformation of will into wisdom, Cindy, is very much what we're talking about with the pause practice. It's transforming my personal, I want this, or I'm doing this, to an alignment with something you could say bigger than me. The Chinese call it the Tao. It's the way of the universe. Some people call it God, higher power. When I can surrender my own personal will to that which is behind me, guiding me, knows who I am and what I came here to do. That might not be what I think I'm supposed to do or even what I, in my own ego place, want to be, but it's rather the authentic arising of me. And that is water's gift, the authentic arising of the seed that is me. And... You know, water by its nature is very yin. Practicing the pause is one of the ways we nourish water. Staying warm this time of year, however you can. Um, You know, having, like you say, the macrobiotic idea of warm soups, nourishing our bones, getting out in the cold, dressing warm and walking, 
all these things are ways that we nourish and cultivate the reserves we need for and the really great thing about the winter we're having is that the Chinese say without that cold, there cannot be that robust, hopeful spring. It's the compression, the cold, the darkness. And this is a very alchemical idea that actually empowers the eruption. And you gave them the example of the gestation of a child. You know, anyone who's gone through a pregnancy knows what it takes to go through those <laughs> nine months of surrendering your body, you know, how tired you can feel, because that's what, that's the truth of the cosmos, that the yin right. is about rest and waiting and trusting and right. surrender, and then the gifts come of those crocuses and those snowdrops and those bursting forward green things and babies emerging when their time has come. Yeah. Well, and that's the wood imagination when spring comes back and all of this wood that has been... Oh, listen, I... When I read your book, I'm like, okay, she is brilliant. Well, I, I, I shouldn't just say you. You and your husband are brilliant. I don't mean to leave him out. But, but the point yeah, is yeah. that you're the acupuncturist and the Chinese medicine. And, you know, and, and then feng shui, like, you know, that's probably when I trained to be a feng shui consultant. I studied it for a long time before I actually became certified. And the, the Chinese five elements, the teacher that was supposed to teach it, I don't know, something happened. There was a misunderstanding. So we had a different one. And I could tell even she was fumbling. But when, but since then, I have taken everything I learned and then just continued learning. So here is the thing that I want to read um, with this water element. So you're, you're talking about is discovering water within you is your personal will and integrity and alignment with your time, your age, yeah. your Tao. And yeah. then um, – your lead is you feel dry, brittle, shaky, unrooted, and insecure. You're yeah. exhausted from trying to control the uncontrollable. Right. You push yourself beyond your own limits and ignore your body's need for rest. So what this is this is when you're, you know, out of balance, so to speak. And then the goal, yeah. the alchemy, turning taking this in knowledge and saying, Okay, so my skin's too dry, my this, my that, like, you know, what do I need to learn from this? So you trust not knowing and recognize the value of silence and rest, you lean back into the Tao. Yeah. You endure, and I love this. Right, right. You endure, wait, and gestate until the right moment arises. And then the final one is you listen to your body and accept the passage of time and live in alignment with your authentic nature. So, you know, what I want to mention is, and you cover it in the book, because you segue it right into, if we didn't have all this water and this frozen snow and all of this, we would not have the water to nourish the growth of the wood. Yes, exactly. So that's exactly. the nourishing. And then there's the destructive exactly. cycles where water puts yes. out fire. So this yes, is where exactly. once you learn, and then this book does it beautifully. It It discusses, where I'm out of balance and what can I do with the wood energy to put myself back in balance or the water. So I love how with the wood, you know, are you growing and developing towards your ultimate purpose and destiny? You're, you're led. You feel irritable and unreasonable, aggressive and impatient as if you were constantly banging your head against closed doors. The goal, 
You have a clear vision and direction for your life. You go into your own edges and stay on track. And, you know, Cindy, I just want to say, because I practiced Chinese medicine for 30 years and taught in acupuncture colleges and all, it was Benjamin, my husband, who actually supported me in getting it down to those wonderful, like, brief, usable sound bites. Because when my agent and the publisher said, we want this book to be user-friendly to everyone, not just acupuncturists. I said, well, I don't, I've been teaching in colleges and practitioners. I'm not sure I can do this. And Benjamin actually is my guide in, he's, he's always, Lore, make it practical, make it practical, make it user-friendly. And that was a big piece of the collaboration that you see in the book. Again, an alchemy of are two ways of seeing things coming together. And I do think in listening to you, I'm like, yep, that was, that was Benjamin saying, Lord, <laughs> make it so anyone can understand what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Right. And you do. Yeah. I mean, you did a beautiful Good. job with the flower essences. I mean, I mean, this is what I'm saying. There's something for everyone in this book and you'll reuse it. So, you know, you talk about the five al- uh, alchemical essential oils, water, balsam fir and then you tell you everything you, you explain everything why how to use it etc and then wood bergamot oh my gosh i brought yes. bergamot back from egypt can you imagine oh it's, uh, i mean it was, oh, <laughs> i have a nice oh. bottle of it still like yeah. a big one um and then um and then rose you know you talk about the fire energy is the rose energy and um earth is coriander metal is frankincense and you know it's interesting all of these all of the different things that you talked about are taking people with tools. What I, I, I look at this book as there are so many tools and then you've got the acupressure points, you know, et cetera. You've just but covered I tried, everything. Again, look, again, what we tried to do and Benjamin really supported that process was there are five oils, five flowers, 10 points, not hundreds. Because I think what happens for people is, how do I begin to get into this? And if you have five oils, and what I suggest is using one a season, live with it, smell it. You find the truth of that oil from within your being. You can read, Mm -hmm. I mean, I am a book person, obviously, but how do I really know how a point operates? How do I really know? what this point at the center of the palm, which, by the way, is called the palace of weariness. How do I really know what that will do for a person? I know through my own body knowing. I know Mm. through touching it on myself, through touching it on my daughters, through touching it on hundreds of patients. And, again, this is our birthright. These points are on our bodies, and we don't Mm -hmm. use them. But they're doorways that were gifted to us at birth. Right. It's amazing. Well, <laughs> so right, right, and the, and the baby is in yeah. darkness. Yeah, a baby yeah. is in darkness, and the baby yeah. is the one who decides it's a little crowded in here, and the baby emits the hormones that starts the mother's contractions. I mean, there's a wisdom yeah. and an intelligence in all of this. I especially, uh, on page 208, I especially like this chart that you did with the masculinity and femininity within yin and yang. 
all you see. I not have not fair. ever you seen. You take that up at the end of our conversation. We could have talked about that the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> you said. I know. You said we might get to the really juicy bit at the end, but yes, the four-part model of gender is. Yeah, that's our baby. We love that. We love that oh. part. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant. Good. Brilliant. And so uh, we'll have to so do another listeners, show on that one. <laughs> I know. This could be like the whole show. And then after yeah. you and do all this, then you, then you. Be on yeah. it. It'll be me and Benjamin. So you'll really get the two, okay. the four part model. Okay. We live it. <laughs> Seriously. I will, I will invite you back because this one page, I just looked at it and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to actually take a, take a shot of this and carry this with me because this Great. is wisdom beyond wisdom and this one page. Okay, so I know we have five minutes left. I want to talk just a second about how you introduced this book because I had a, had notice had a brother who was diagnosed oh. with diabetes at a very young age, oh, wow. and I just thought, yeah. oh my gosh, I wish he had met Lori and she could have explained all of this, you know, to him. Yeah, yeah. He experienced everything and more that is described here. Um, even worse, because as he became a teenager, you know, he still didn't, he didn't have the tools. He didn't have the bird. He didn't have a Lori to help guide him. So can mm-hmm. you just, in just a few sentences, just do the synopsis, because I want to hear someone with a, as explain a medical condition where the turnaround came, where you empowered versus disempowered this young, young man who was so vulnerable. Right. So he was an eight-year-old little boy, totally healthy that never been sick, kind of very holistic parents, and all of a sudden his body went, I mean, you've seen it as a nurse. You know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they, he was exhausted, sweating, shaking. They had no idea that he had type 1 diabetes, which is a lifelong illness. It's not curable at this right. time. It was devastating and probably... Part of the devastation in that situation was also that for his parents, who were these healthy, holistic people, deal with suddenly they really had to deal with the medical system. Insulin was the only option. And this little boy had to learn how to inject, to have injections. But again, he was saved by Western medicine. He would have died from this disease, but Western medicine couldn't touch the soul trauma and the soul wounding that came to him, the terror that he felt, the shock that he was in, and also how it was rewiring his whole sense of who he was. And so Mm -hmm. the tools we used are the tools I offer in the book. And the very first one is the use of the imagination. For the alchemist, the imagination isn't just this fantasy land, go to Pixar and, you know, watch someone else's imagination, which is all wonderful. I love Pixar. But for the alchemist, the imagination, they said it's our inner star. It is actually a light within us. And so I gave him an image. Right, and, and that, that image, bird. yes, right, and that image. Okay, because all of a sudden it's going to go, and 
boom, it's over. Yeah, I know, I but know. That, you said that, that would happen. Right? I know it, I know. Yeah. I, I created this self-fulfilling prophecy. But I'm sorry, <laughs> what Lori's referencing, as I said, okay, if we have 10 seconds. So two websites, uh, listeners. A newpossibility.com. This is a community that um, Lori and Benjamin are creating. And then um, it, also the Alchemy of Inner Work um, is the name of this. And it has its own little uh, website as well. So both of those are good websites to look at. Please join our email list. Um, you can send an email to info at spiritseeker.com asking to be added, but it's a lot easier to go to the spiritseeker.com website. If there's an article you like, you can forward that to a friend or family member. We just redesigned it. All the radio shows for the last couple of months are there. And then the archives for the magazines and the radio shows, um, they'll give you a link to go there. Lori, thank you so much. I love this book. And, yes, I will invite you and Benjamin back, and we can, you know, discuss. We'll get at that four-part model of gender. I think we should. (laughs) Good. Cindy, oh my thank gosh. you very yeah, much for having me. Oh, my gosh. You're so welcome. Thank you. And listeners, um, share this. You, The minute it's over, it is a podcast. Share the link. And, you know, please like us on Blog Talk as well as on Facebook because Blog Talk gives us extra promotion materials when we have, um, you know, more guests that are, you know, they're like, oh, we know that name. And just in general, if the more likes we get, the more they reward us. And so um, it's not for ego. It's just for please, please help us promote mm-hmm. the show because it's helping a lot of people. Okay, Lori, thank you so much. And please thank um, Benjamin for, you know, helping arrange this in your publicist. It was all so smooth and easy. So thank yes. you. Okay. And Have a wonderful week, everyone. Me. We'll be back on. Okay. Bye-bye thank for you. now. Be blessed. Bye. Okay. 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 Thank you.